This is day 77 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing 2 Chronicles chapters 14 through 18. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. We ask for your mercy. We ask for your grace in our lives to strengthen us. As Christians, we are surrounded by distractions and sin and evil people. And it's so easy to get disheartened or go astray, Lord. We are like sheep. And it is rightly so that you call us sheep in the Bible, because we are so easily led astray. Lord, we, we know this about ourselves. And if we don't, then please show us that we are, so that we can be humbled and that we can seek you with a whole heart. Thank you for this time, and thank you for your word, and please illuminate it for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David, and his son Asa became king in his place. The land was undisturbed for ten years during his days. Asa did good and right in the sight of the Lord his God, for he removed the foreign altars and high places, tore down the sacred pillars, cut down the ashram, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was undisturbed under him. He built fortified cities in Judah, since the land was undisturbed, and there was no one at war with him during those years, because the Lord had given him rest. For he said to Judah, Let us build these cities, and surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land is still ours, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Now Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah, bearing large shields and spears, and 280,000 from Benjamin, bearing shields and wielding bows. All of them were valiant warriors. Now Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Marashah. So Asa went out to meet him, and they drew up in battle formation in the valley of Zephathah at Marashah. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one besides you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. So help us, O Lord our God, for we trust in you, and in your name have come against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Let not man prevail against you. So the Lord routed the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gerar, and so many Ethiopians fell that they could not recover, for they were shattered before the Lord and before his army. And they carried away very much plunder. They destroyed all the cities around Gerar, for the dread of the Lord had fallen on them. And they despoiled all the cities, for there was much plunder in them. They also struck down those who owned livestock, 
and they carried away large number of sheep and camels. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Now the Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him, and if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For many days Israel was without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord God of Israel, and they sought him, and he let them find him. In those times there was no peace to him who went out, or to him who came in. For many disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. Nation was crushed by nation, and city by city. For God troubled them with every kind of distress. But you, be strong, and do not lose courage. For there is reward for your work. Now when Asa heard these words, and the prophecy which Azariah the son of Oded the prophet spoke, he took courage, and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin, and from the cities which he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. He then restored the altar of the Lord, which was in front of the porch of the Lord. He gathered all Judah and Benjamin, and those from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who resided with them, for many defected to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of Asa's reign. They sacrificed to the Lord that day seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep from the spoil they had brought. They entered into the covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and soul, and whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. Moreover, they made an oath to the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting, with trumpets, and with horns. All Judah rejoiced concerning the oath, for they had sworn with their whole heart and had sought him earnestly, and he let them find him. So the Lord gave him rest on every side. He also removed Maaka, the mother of King Asa, from the position of queen mother, because she had made a horrid image as an Asherah, and Asa cut down her horrid image, crushed it, and burned it at the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was blameless all his days. He brought into the house of God the dedicated things of his father and his own dedicated things, silver and gold and utensils. And there was no more war until the thirty-fifth year of Asa's reign. In the thirty-sixth year of Asa's reign, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from going out or coming in to Asa, king of Judah. 
Then Asa brought out silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the king's house, and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who lived in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as between my father and your father. Behold, I have sent you silver and gold. Go, break your treaty with Baasha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa, and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they conquered Aijon, Dan, Abel-Naim, and all the store cities of Naphtali. When Baasha heard of it, he ceased fortifying Ramah and stopped his work. Then King Asa brought all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and its timber with which Baasha had been building. And with them he fortified Gibah and Mizpah. At that time Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Aram, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim an immense army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on you will surely have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him for this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. Now the acts of Asa from first to last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the thirty-ninth year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. His disease was severe, yet even in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa slept with his fathers, having died in the forty-first year of his reign. They buried him in his own tomb, which he had cut for himself in the city of David. And they laid him in the resting place, which he had filled with spices of various kinds, blended by the perfumer's art. And they made a very great fire for him. Jehoshaphat, his son, then became king in his place, and made his position over Israel firm. He placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah, and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa his father had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat, because he followed the example of his father David's earlier days, and did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father, followed his commandments, and did not act as Israel did. So the Lord established the kingdom in his control, and all Judah brought tribute to, to Jehoshaphat and he had great riches and honor. He took great pride in the ways of the Lord, 
and again removed the high places and the Asherim from Judah. Then in the third year of his reign, he sent his officials, Ben-Hael, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nethanel, and Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them, the Levites, Shemaiah, Nethaniah, Zebediah, Asahel, Shemiramoth, Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Tobadonijah, the Levites, and with them Elishama and Jehoram, the priests. They taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with them, and they went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. Now the dread of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of the lands which were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. Some of the Philistines brought gifts and silver as tribute to Jehoshaphat. The Arabians also brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. So Jehoshaphat grew greater and greater, and he built fortresses and store cities in Judah. He had large supplies in the cities of Judah, and warriors, valiant men in Jerusalem. This was their master according to their father's households. Of Judah, commanders of thousands, Adna was the commander, and with him 300,000 valiant warriors. And next to him was Yohanan the commander, and with him 280,000. And next to him, Amasiah the son of Zikri, who volunteered for the Lord, and with him 200,000 valiant warriors, and of Benjamin, Eliada, the valiant warrior, and with him 200,000 armed with bow and shield, and next to him Jehoshabad, and with him 180,000 equipped for war. These are they who served the king, apart from those whom the king put in the fortified cities through all Judah. Now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor, and he allied himself by marriage with Ahab. Some years later, he went down to visit Ahab at Samaria, and Ahab slaughtered many sheep and oxen for him and the people who were with him, and induced him to go up against Ramoth-Gilead. Ahab king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? And he said to him, I am as you are, and my people as your people, and we will be with you in the battle. Moreover, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel assembled the prophets, four hundred men, and said to them, Shall we go against Ramoth-Gilead to, to battle, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not yet a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. For he never prophesies good concerning me, 
but always evil. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. But Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, Imlah's son. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting each on his throne, arrayed in their robes, and they were sitting at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. Zedekiah the son of Cheniana made horns of iron for himself and said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall gore the Arameans until they are consumed. All the prophets were prophesying thus, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and succeed, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Then the messenger who went to summon Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Behold, the word of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king. So please, let your word be like one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what my God says, that I will speak. When he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? He said, Go up and succeed, for they will be given into your hand. Then the king said to him, How many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth, in the name of the Lord. So he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains, like sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing on his right and on his left. The Lord said, Who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, to go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said this, while another said that. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, How? He said, I will go and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then he said, You are to entice him and prevail also. Go and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of these your prophets for the Lord has proclaimed disaster against you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Cheniana, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, How did the Spirit of the Lord pass from me to speak to you? Micaiah said, Behold, you will see on that day when you enter an inner room to hide yourself. Then the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah, and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this man in prison, and feed him sparingly with bread and water 
until I return safely. Micaiah said, If you indeed return safely, the Lord has not spoken to me. And he said, Listen, all you people. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up against Ramoth-Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. Now the king of Aram had commanded the captains of his chariots, saying, Do not fight with small or great, but with the king of Israel alone. So when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is the king of Israel. And they turned aside to fight against him. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and God diverted them from him. When the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. A certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel in a joint of the armor. So he said to the driver of the chariot, Turn around and take me out of the fight, for I am severely wounded. The battle raged that day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot in front of the Aramaeans until the evening, and at sunset he died. It was refreshing to read this again, especially since we see two righteous kings in the sight of the Lord, King Asa and his son Jehoshaphat. So we get to see another glimpse at the behind the scenes of what was going on with Asa and his heart, and if everything that was declared of him the first time was true, and of course it was, but it has more details this time. And we see that because of his faithfulness to the Lord that God gave him peace in the land. And this is something that is in the law of Moses as well, is that when you obey the Lord, he will give peace in your land. So he fulfilled his covenant with Israel and with Judah as he normally does. Israel never listened, but Judah did. And I liked this in chapter 15 at the very beginning here when the Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Oded. He said, The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. This is the same kind of language that David gave to Solomon. And we see that the God is reminding Asa of how this relationship works, that it is a two-sided relationship. Now, oftentimes in the, in the world religions, we see that the gods at large are not for the people. What they have to do is earn their favor, or they have to mutilate themselves in order to gain their the attention of their god. But in this case, this is, a again, a covenantal relationship where both sides of a contract, if you will, are fulfilling their end of the bargain. And as long as they are fulfilling their end of the bargain, things will go well. So we see that Asa is with the Lord. But 
he's also giving a form of prophecy because we see at the end of Asa's life that he forsakes the Lord. He had been doing so well in relying on God throughout his entire reign until his last few years of life, where he abandoned the Lord and trusted in the people and the things of this world, and that is something that we should not do ourselves, of course. And may that be a lesson for us. And this was encouraging for me as well, because sometimes when you're doing something, you know, say a ministry or, you know, you're at church and you're really hoping that, you know, church membership will grow. You want people to deepen in their relationship to God and you want to see that fruit, that maturity come out. And sometimes it feels like a fruitless endeavor. Sometimes you get discouraged. And sometimes it feels like things aren't moving. And of course, it's all in God's timing, but God knows our frame. He knows that we're so short-sighted sometimes. And I love how he refreshes us with that encouragement. And we see this encouragement being given to Asa as well. In verse 7, But you, be strong and do not lose courage. Why? For there is reward for your work. There is a reward for what we do. We may not see it in this life, but God has promised in the New Testament that all of our spiritual work for his kingdom will be rewarded in heaven. I don't even know what that looks like, but I believe God and what he said, so I'm just going to do it anyway. We should be strong and not lose courage when we're doing the right thing. The New Testament also says it that way. Do not grow weary of doing good. Right? Especially when it's such a thankless job, right? You do a thankless job. Even like being a parent, for example. Sometimes being a parent is a thankless job, right? Because your kids don't appreciate you. They don't understand how lucky they are to have what they have, how entitled they may feel. And then when they get older, they realize, oh, I get it now. And I feel really bad that I treated my parents that way. So it comes around much the same way that our spiritual work comes around when we enter into glory. We get to see the reward that we get for it. There is a reason for things, and there is a purpose, besides just obedience to God, but God knows that we like some tangibility in what we do. And so that is a, a motivation in some ways. The rest of chapter 15 is about the same as what we've dealt with before. And we do see that he is very zealous for the Lord, especially with they entered into the covenants again, and whoever did not seek the Lord would be put to death. Which is very interesting because near the end of his reign, that's describing him. That he, if he's not seeking the Lord God, he should be put to death. And he's not seeking the Lord God in the 36th year of his reign, as we see in chapter 16. What was the problem with this situation here? He trusted in Ben-Hadad, the king of Damascus, to deliver him from Israel. He did not trust in God to deliver him from Israel, even though God has demonstrated in military might that God would defend him 
if he believed that he could. And we saw that in chapter 15, right? That even though Asa had an impressive army, he had 300,000 spearmen and almost 300,000 archers. And yet the Ethiopian army came against him with a million men, double the army, and God routed them for him. And you would think that, well, I remember God, and he's been good to me my whole life, and he's been the one that I've sought all these years. I trust in the Lord to deliver me from this battle. But he doesn't. He enters into a treaty with Aram in order to be protected from Israel. Basically, he bribed him, is basically what you see here. He bribed him. He said, here, here's all this silver and gold. Break your covenant with Israel and join me. So he bribed him. And it was successful in that respect. In that respect. But then we see Hanani the seer come and tell Asa that because you didn't rely on the Lord, the Arameans escaped out of your hand, which you could have wiped them out and had peace on all sides still. You remember all those years that you had peace on all sides? That was because you obeyed the Lord, and he did it. And you could have had this continue if you hadn't strayed away from the Lord. But now you are going to have war. Because you did not rely on the Lord, and he even reminds him, remember that large Ethiopian army that you fought? He delivered them into your hand. And I love this about the Lord. He's not just sitting around doing nothing. He's always working. We have to understand that. He's always working. But not only that, but the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. It doesn't say that Asa abandoned the Lord. But it seems like he had a divided allegiance. He loved the Lord, but he also loved the security of men. We call that divided allegiance. And that's what James in the New Testament calls a double-minded man, a man of divided allegiance. You cannot have one foot in the realm of God and one foot in the realm of Satan. Jesus himself says that, in the book of Revelation, he calls that lukewarm. And he says, you can be hot or you can be cold. You cannot serve two masters, right? You have to be hot or you have to be cold. Pick a side. Pick a side. Who, whose side are you really on? You need to make a choice. You can't have both. And even Jesus says it like that. He's like, I'd rather wish you were hot or cold. That way you are firm on where you stand. But because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I will discard you as the trash that you are making yourself to be. That is some strong language. I mean, you, you just see how gross it is just from a physical aspect. But the concept of why Jesus would vomit you out of his mouth, why would you vomit anything out of your mouth? Because you disgust him. And that's the last thing you want to do, right? You don't want to disgust the Lord Jesus, which 
is our only Savior. So certainly, the Lord is looking for people in this world whose heart is completely His. And, and I can tell you that I'm not there yet. My heart is not completely His. There are still some things that I struggle with that I know I either should not be doing or I know they distract me from being fully invested in the things of the Lord. I know that, and I admit to them. I confess to you right now that I have not arrived. I have not achieved this command, but I want to, and I pray that I will have the fortitude and the strength to do so, and I hope that it is your prayer as well for yourselves and for me if you'd like. And this isn't the last time that Asa doesn't rely on the Lord, because later, at the end of his life, he gets a disease in his feet. We don't really know what it is, but he does not seek the Lord in healing him. He seeks physicians. He seeks doctors. He seeks medical advice rather than going to the divine healer himself. And that's a terrible way to end your life, just to end with abandoning the Lord. But then we see Jehoshaphat, his son, come on the scene, and he takes up the mantle from Asa's early days, as well as from the days of David, and that's excellent. They have another righteous king. And he was given a lot of possessions, and he did wisely with them. However, one major flaw is that he entered into bad company. We see that in chapter 18, and we remember the story from First and Second Kings that King Ahab is a really evil king. And this is during the time of like Elijah, for example. So King Ahab is now related to Jehoshaphat by marriage because Jehoshaphat married King Ahab's daughter. And we know that Jehoshaphat's a righteous king, and we know that Ahab is an evil king a really evil king. And yet, because of marriage, he allies himself with him. And Ahab wants to go up against Ramoth Gilead. And he asks Jehoshaphat, hey, you want to come with me? He's like, yeah, we're, we are united. We will go with you. But Jehoshaphat did it the right way. He said, hey, before we go, why don't we ask the Lord if this is what we should be doing? And King Ahab is, is an evil man, and we see this, and this is a sign of things that still happen today, false prophets, false teachers, things that look righteous but are really wolves in sheep's clothing. This, this illustration here is very much alive throughout the rest of the Bible and in today's world. There's a lot of things that pass off as looking religious or righteous, and they're not Unfortunately, we have to test the spirits. We have to test it with the Word of God. And if there is a contradiction or some sort of conflict, it is not from the Lord. And what does Paul say? No wonder, because even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He is the prince of this world, and he's the prince of darkness, but he was an angel. And so he can make himself look like his angelic self, where he appears to be from God and deceive us 
but we have to be careful with that because he is a liar, and that's all he does. So we see Ahab's 400 prophets, and I use, you don't see me, but I'm using quotes with my fingers here, prophets that are saying, yeah, go ahead, whatever the king says, we're going to say that God is okay with it. But then you see Jehoshaphat just like, well, I don't know. This doesn't seem right. He, he knows there's something wrong with this. And he's like, is there not yet a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of him? He knows. He sees right through it. These guys are just saying whatever the king wants to hear. But Jehoshaphat understands that the king of kings, lord of lords, has something particular to say. And is there a prophet of that lord? And there is one. But the king of Israel doesn't like him because all he says is negative things about him. I wonder why, Ahab. I wonder why, because you don't care about the things of God. You are a very evil man, so of course God's going to be against you. So then they bring this man up. They, see, they bring up Micaiah. And they said, well, these other prophets are saying all this nice stuff about the king. I want you to do it too. And I love the way Micaiah just says it as it is. As the Lord lives, I swear by the name of God. Whatever he says is what I'm going to say. So <laughs> I'm not going to make up something just to please the king. I'm going to say whatever God tells me to say. And I love that because, again, we talk about, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about, you know, in Sunday school and things like that, we should really focus on life application in the Bible. What do I do about this? How do I handle marriage? How do I, what if somebody comes to my door and is challenging my faith? What do I do? It's called the Bible. I firmly believe that the whole Bible is life application. Because even in a story like this, if you've read what we've read so far, and you're just seeing a history lesson, then there's something very wrong in what you're listening to. You're not even trying. Or the Lord has shut you off. One of the two. Because in what we are reading here, yes, it is history. But there is so much spiritual wealth of knowledge here that is a direct application to us that we have to see and we need to reflect upon those things. Something as simple as what Micaiah said. As the Lord lives, what my God says, that I will speak. We should not speak falsehood. We should speak the words of God to people and not just to flatter them or to just be friendly with them and not give them the true word of God, the gospel. We do not water down the gospel for the sake of not being offensive. We don't shirk our duties of being witnesses in this world so that we don't get disliked or persecuted. It's going to happen if we do the right thing, but God will get us through it. So I love this about what he says. Whatever God says, I'm going to speak that. And that's a declaration we all should be making. What my God says in his word, that's what I'm going to say. Amen and amen. Micaiah, thank you for being a, a minor hero in this book. So then when Micaiah actually faces him, he, he says, you know, go ahead and succeed, you know. He's being sarcastic here. 
because they'll give you into your hand. And then the king says, how many times must I tell you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? He's like, you really want to hear it? Here it is. And then he gives them the bad news. And then Ahab is like, you see? He just, he always says bad things about me. He, I told you he was going to say th- something like this. And then Micaiah has a most wonderful vision where he sees the veil between the spiritual and physical realm broken for just a minute. And he saw the Lord sitting on his throne with the hosts of heaven on his right and left side. And then he has this vision. And it's an amazing vision. And then Ahab's like, all right, put him in prison. I'm tired of hearing this guy. And just keep him in prison until I get back. And Micaiah said, if you come back, then it was never God that spoke to me. And that's interesting. And then we know the rest of the story. Pay very close attention to what is going on in each verse. To read the Bible verse by verse is the best thing you can do. To study it, to examine it. Because if you look at it just from a topical, superficial level, you'll get something out of it. But the deeper wisdom is with hidden within the, the text here. And we have to look for it. And just like what God said to Asa, He is with you when you're with Him. If you seek Him, He will let you find Him. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. May that be a lesson for us today. But that's all I have for today. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.